The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello, and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. Thank you for tuning in. Before we get into the interview, I would be honored if you would consider going to thepaulleslie.com and clicking support the show. There are quite a number of things I want to accomplish with the Paul Leslie Hour, and you can help me get more of these interviews out there to the masses. It only takes a moment, and it makes a world of difference. Last but not least, tell someone about the Paul Leslie Hour. Let them know in whatever way you can. And now let's get into the interview. Is that Paul Leslie? Yes, sir. How are you? I am sober. Believe it or not, are we on live? No, not live. Not yet. Oh, or not, not live. Up. Hey, it's me, ladies and gentlemen. It is a great pleasure to be welcoming this man. He is nothing short of amazing. He has traveled millions of miles and touched just about as many people with his performances. He is a mentalist, and it's a great pleasure to say welcome to the amazing Kreskin. Thank you so much for being a guest. Paul, it's, uh, I, I want to tell you something. I've, 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 I've done thousands of interviews. Having flown the, the airline industry announced, uh, I guess that was two years ago. At that point, I had flown a little over three and a half million miles. So it's, uh, I've been, you know, when I, when I think the five and a half years touring off and on Saudi Arabia and on and on, you go through the years. But I want to tell you something. I haven't been interviewed by so many. You have an interesting background. I mean, when I, when I look at the amount of people that you've interviewed and you've done this for 16 years, Paul, is it? It's, it's 17 now. How did you, I find people who are in the interview field because, of course, as you know, the communication industry has changed remarkably in recent years. I would say also in the past couple of months violently, but we won't go into that right now because I, <laughs> I don't want to, I, I try to avoid getting involved in politics, even though I predicted the last five elections. I, I want people to know. And trust me when I say this, that I have nothing against politicians. I just wish that uh, most of them had been on the Titanic. But at any rate, <laughs> and uh, the problem is, I, I mean that almost sincerely, but you have, that's uh, very, very interesting. How did you get involved in uh, a program like this that's been obviously very successful? Well, it, it just started. I was writing articles about people. You were writing, you were for newspaper or magazine or what? Uh, magazines and including a magazine that I started publishing myself. And then from there, I just thought, you know, the most interesting thing about this to me isn't the writing necessarily. It's the interview itself. I'm just fascinating. I'm fascinated to be able to speak and mostly to listen. And so that's, that's pretty much how it started. It started on Jimmy Buffett's radio Margaritaville of all oh my places. Gosh. Jimmy Buffett, I'll be, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned a key uh, uh, remark, which I've been quoted about all over the world uh, because of the uh, fact that we are no longer, and sociologists are mentioning this. They, they always bring it up to me, but they can't say too much about it because they're afraid of losing their jobs. I mean, 
who would have ever thought, uh, and it's very critical now, it's become more critical in the past uh, few months as it's finally becoming coming to the surface. But if you express certain opinions, you can be fired from a job. True. And uh, we have not had, and now there are, that's common with communism, of course, and common with other dictatorships, but we never thought it would happen in our culture today. And uh, the, the reason behind it is money, staggering amounts of money that uh, have not been shared with us or told with us. I mean, we are the, under the impression that our leaders and our political figures in towns and local are doing everything to support the welfare of, uh, of the people. And that's really the way I grew up with that feeling. But I mean, look at, uh, uh, I was just on the phone with some very key people in New York city, how it's been destroyed. Yeah. And, uh, they would like to keep the shutdown and folks don't ask me where I got this information. But I tell you this with absolute integrity, they'd like to keep the shutdown another half year because there are groups making millions of dollars now that they put out of business thousands of private and small uh, firms and, and businesses all over the country. So our culture is in a very serious, critical state. And it may take some young people who don't are not aren't afraid of being fired or what have you. I mean, networks have fired people because of you. By the way, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but because I'm informed constantly, the word picnic is now going to be damned to be used in a conversation. Uh, you may have heard about this already because they have discovered that three or four hundred years ago it was used for some other rather questionable means, which means you could almost do this with any word. I have a list. I would never show it. Uh, and I, uh, of 18 people and the young people are hired now to research them because Kate Smith has already been taken off the, uh, you know, she sang God bless America. And, right. it, and uh, during the second world war, what, what an inspirational song when, when the great composer, wrote that song, he turned it over to her, and uh, she finally said, no, this is a war we're at. We need to let others uh, uh, sing the song as well. But when I was a kid, uh, you know, six, seven years old, I went to a movie theater uh, for 15 cents. I don't want to say it was that cheap, but uh, uh, we, when they, and, and on Saturdays, you know, you saw your Westerns, your, your other movie and the cartoons and then the news uh, before the movie started, there was a Kate Smith on film and we all stood up as she sang to us, God bless America, which I heard hundreds of times. And now to, to veto that. And now John Wayne is currently on the list to be thrown off because he said something years ago. And the, uh, the names of famous people, legendary, some of the greatest performers I've ever heard of and leaders, because that discredits the history of the United States for those who want to make it look like a uh, uh, non-credible, uh, uh, you know, country and what have you. So now in New Jersey, we're having the 1619 course being given, which has been written by by, uh, it's been worked on for a number of years. I knew about it eight years ago, but it's now legal in New Jersey and it's, uh, written by historians 
because if you want to study history, do not go to a university, folks. For God's sake, stay 10 miles away from a university because you're not learning. Now history is being taught to show that the white people have caused the discrediting and the lowering of the United States. And that's so people are taking kids out of grade school now in New Jersey, wanting them to get a, a this, this, this kind of flavor is very unfortunate. And since I travel a great deal and I'm constantly being interviewed on, uh, on issues and what have you, uh, it's the thing you mentioned something very critical earlier. And that is the truth of the matter is we don't listen to each other anymore. We don't know how. It's not a criticism. Mom, dad, the kids don't know how have the capacity because we have, I don't, I usually keep the cell phone here in front. We have an instrument called a cell phone. Right. And now when a topic comes up and we want to get a little bit more about it, we just dial something on the cell phone and instantaneously we get it. It's interesting. I was at a restaurant uh, months ago with a number of producers in broadcasting and they said, Kreskin, it's too bad you don't have a camera here. Look at this. And it was a pancake place, one of my favorites. And uh, uh, it was a number of the tables had four to five or six college or high school students at the tables and they weren't conversing. They were Hmm. all on their cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very, um, it's it's very strange at times. I mean, I'm I'm a pretty young person, but sometimes I stop, pause, and look, and I think, "Wow, what a what a weird image this is in my mind." Well, because we're not uh, we're not thinking and reflecting come upon what we've heard, and uh, sometimes it's better to listen and reflect upon it as you're eating or what have you, because you may suddenly think to yourself, "Gee." That's the second time when she said we brought that subject up, she gestured in this way. It probably has more meaning to her because we're learning in far other ways than just the spoken word, but because we're not reflecting, we're not learning from what we've, what we've observed. You know, when I was a kid, uh, and, uh, we were, we all heard every, every kid in grade school heard this in that we, we quoted the American Indian. If you want to know somebody, walk in their shoes before you criticize them. Right. And that isn't told today. We criticize people, whether it's political or otherwise, without even walking in their shoes. And the American Indian really had the answer on the wall because you can do that with a foreigner and, and learn much about them. So I'm, I'm very, very impressed with your background. There are people from all walks of life and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and the list here, I won't go into the list. My, I mean, everything from uh, John Schaefer, Jeff Bridges, Larry King, Regis Feldman. Regis Feldman, what a <laughs> wonderful uh, interviewer he was. I, I was so close to him through the years, you know. Well, you have had an incredible career. So I'm very honored to be speaking with you. My and, <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, you probably have. Could we possibly count how many people have been propelled into a state of wonder by what you do? Uh, Has there been a time, Kreskin, where you were on stage and you were you yourself were marveled like, wow, this is an amazing moment right here and right now? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because my life really has been an adventure. My uh, current book 
is one I, I just, I just got a personal joy out of. It's called the, uh, the adventures of the amazing Kreskin and, uh, uh, people who are interested in the book, they can go to www.kreskinbook.com, www.kreskinbook.com. But there's a reason why I got, now I've written 22 books. This is my 22nd book, but this is a, this is almost like a, I, I feel like a, a quiet little celebration. I collaborated, which I don't usually do, with a comic illustrator by the name of Howie Noel. And he's a very, very fine uh, illustrator. I'll get this book to you in the mail. But uh, what he's done is he's drawn pictures, not not necessarily cartoon ones, but very, very uh, beautifully put together pictures. I know there are pictures of me with Carson and, 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 and Letterman and everything else like that. And Mike Douglas, with whom I've done more shows than anybody in the history of the series. But he uh, would draw these pictures of scenes in my life because it was, uh, with all my traveling, one of the things that I kept very quiet, it broke on about maybe 12 or 14 times in my life. But now it's becoming common knowledge. Uh, I always have felt that with, when you have success, you have to give back of some of your success. We do give it back to people close to you, family, uh, uh, partners, what have you, or the public. And uh, I have been called in in my career on 86 crime cases. Uh, in, in two of the cases, people have seen how I was almost murdered and how I found my way out of it, saving the life of Dr. Harold Hansen, the clinical psychologist with whom I had an office because when I was in my uh, late teens, Dr. Hansen had seen, I was already performing professionally since I was about 12 years old. And he, he saw me perform. He says, I want to, uh, I want to give you a office in my office where you'll work with some of my patients. I said, Dr. Hansen, I, uh, I don't have a degree yet. I'm going to college part-time. I was a slow learner. It took me 18 years to get my degree from Seton Hall and my doctor and all that only because I was traveling endlessly, so I only could see two, one or two courses a, a semester. The first semester was dramatic in my life because I had a department of psychology on the fifth or sixth week, stopped everything and said, uh, folks, he doesn't know this yet, but young man, Mr. Kreskin, you're going to teach the next six, seven weeks of my, of psychology because he felt my experiences were so dramatic, you know, working with audiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I could talk about, about that, and that was better than my being hidden, uh, hired by a, a, uh, a sideshow group that would have me jumping out of a parachute. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> That's the other thing in my life. If we uh, we uh, you talk to uh, very fine professional comedians, comedy is disappearing in our society today. Comedians are now, and it, it, it's brought up every once in a while, even on, on some of the news shows, are concerned about what they can kid about anymore because there, there's organized groups that if you talk about anything, you're anti this, you, you know, you're anti green, anti blue, God forbid, anti white, or all these things like that. So, uh, Seinfeld announced, as you probably know, two years ago, we would never work in a university again. And it got gigantic publicity. Now there are seven more comedians because, and I know this for a fact, uh, if you work in many of the big universities, you have to submit your script ahead of time. And as Seinfeld said, we we and live as comedians. That's the pricelessness of our work. And uh, 
I can remember as a kid, Second World War, and uh, Roosevelt was president. And uh, we go to the, I go to a movies with fifteen cents to pay to see uh, newsreels and uh, and the movie. And there's the news with Roosevelt, and you couldn't always hear, but they were talking about it. And you could see he's laughing because he'd always hit his leg and laugh because Bob Hope was there mocking everything in sight. He was priceless. It was one of the great gifts. So, folks, don't worry. We've got to learn to laugh at ourselves and chuckle at things, or we're in gigantic trouble. Yeah, yeah. I I can't help but wonder, being the fact that you, what you do, it it so much relies on the public. Is there any concern from you? You know, you just said don't worry, but is there any worry from you that this so-called mob? Well, they don't like what you just said. And so they, they may say, well, we're going after uh, the amazing Kreskin now. Yeah, they have already in some situations. Uh, yeah. When you say this, what fo- folks, what you need to realize, you young people, please, uh, that maybe are not in college at this time. By the way, my prediction is, and I am being told now more and more it's true, and, 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 and I've done over a thousand university appearances in the, in the United States and Canada. So my education has been very important, even though I was going part-time. I, uh, I, my library has been photographed by the, by the British, uh, by British uh, newspapers, what have you. It's over 8,000 books because when I'm home, I read eight, I read four books a night. I, I read three books last night. I'm an avid reader and I don't skim. I read every word, but, uh, because we learn from reading, uh, for, since I was a kid, I would read, three or four newspapers a day. And before that, my parents would read to me the comic books and because I couldn't read them. But the one good thing, I know we can do things instantly on the cell phone and what have you, but the one good thing about reading is it causes you to reflect and see and think a little bit because now, now I can see a paragraph in a few seconds, but that's nothing to brag about. I don't, I don't brag that way. Uh, people in the broadcast industry have known for years. I, I've been on, te- I've been on talk shows for an hour before the other guest was on and I read their book before they came on and then interviewed them for the host. And he said, host said, where did you read the book? And I said, we've had it on the desk before the show, but the reading has been very important in my life. And, uh, I, I would never shed that opportunity. And we have to, we have to, people, say how can you read rapidly and the secret is not a secret it's uh when we learn to read we never learn to read uh, not out loud we read in school out loud that's the way we were studying grade school and then we were taught not to talk anymore but we still heard the words in the pace that we read them and many people, authorities in, the, in human behavior say, many people are reading the pace they would be reading if they were talking. But that isn't the way we learn. When you learn the word Mississippi, you didn't start with the letter M and end with an I. By the time you were getting a fair education, you saw in Mississippi instantly. Anti-terrorism instantly. Big words instantaneously. But we never learned to do that with a phrase. I could, 
I learned to read a sentence in seconds because I saw it all at once. That was not a miracle. It became a habit that some of the authorities on reading discovered years and years ago. So it's interesting how the mind works and my, because I'm working, you know, uh, con I, I'm still performing and now with uh, our limitations in, in audiences and what have you, uh, a lot of performers are not working, but I'm doing private appearances on the internet where people are in their homes. I'm booked for bookings. One gentleman who, who uh, uh, booked me uh, three years ago on Christmas Eve decided uh, recently, uh, hey, my people are, we, we need to get out and communicate or do something. People are being sequestered in their home which I think is one of the greatest mistakes made by the politicians to lock people in their home. The damage is far even beyond the disease because now people are thinking suicidal. So are young people in their 20s and 30s. It's now 25% that sociologists told me as of yet, five days ago, 25% have thought in terms of suicide because you can't lock in your life totally in that way. But at the same time, he decided to hire and get cameras in each of, of the homes of the people that were at his home when I performed for him three years ago. And here I did a live performance from my from here with a, in my theater downstairs for this audience that were some 50-some people. Each were in their own homes, and a number of them interacted with my performance. And it was now I now I got a I got a major uh, promoter who's going to be involved in this because I'm going to be doing this everywhere. It was a great satisfaction to entry. I prefer live shows, but these had a life all their own. And you know this in talking to each other. There's a life, life to this. And matter of fact, folks, I want to, I want you to know this. He dare not, Paul Leslie dare not edit this out because I'll let it out that he did. I promise you, folks, I will not re if I'm on the show with him ever in, in his office live with him, I dare not read his thoughts. I'm only joking, Paul, only joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think this is something you're probably asked all the time, you know, so Kreskin, what am I thinking? But I'm going to ask you this. What are you thinking about this particular broadcast? What goes through your mind? What is the mood of the conversation we're having? What's happening? Well, I, I, I think what's interesting, and I, and I, I, I looked at some of the background of your work and that you're, you're reading from people from all walks of life. <clears throat> You know, not only discussing their humor and uh, uh, what changes they made and how some of the serious factors. So you, you've given it an open forum. And that's a very, very healthy thing at this time. This is a very healthy uh, kind of broadcast that you're offering it because it's needed more and more. I mean, you've got people, some of the shows do nothing but attack politics, which is fine, but you know, we got to realize something. It can get tiring after a while. Yeah. It, it can get repetitious after a while. And people have to have a wider scope. That's why I respected and, you know, I became very close to someone like uh, Regis Philbin and, and what have you, because he, uh, he, was a, he was a genuine man. He, uh, to know him personally, the way you saw him on camera, that's the kind of person. He walked to work every day. He walked to work and walked in by himself. He uh, he started his series, he started the broadcast with a man you may not have heard of because you're a younger person. His name was Joey Bishop. Oh, yeah. 
Regis had a show. Uh, Joey had a show early in, in, in the broadcast, and Regis became the announcer of the show. But let me tell you how history can be distorted. I did Joey Bishop's show many, many times. That's how Johnny Carson got to know me before, not Carson, but the others before, uh, before, uh, Steve, Steve, uh, Allen left the, uh, the night show and went to over and went to New York, uh, to uh, Hollywood. And Carson got to see me on the Steve Allen show. And then I became, I got, I did the 88 shows with, uh, with Carson. But at the same time, Joey is, Walking to work one night with them, it was, and, and Regis told me this years later after he had his own series and he was uh, partially retired and was sitting in a restaurant there. He said, you know, uh, we're walking to work and Joey and I would talk and Joey said, you know, uh, Johnny has all the viewers and Regis says, no, Joey, you're, you do such a good job. People are, are very loyal to you. He says, yeah, but Johnny has all the viewers. They get near the door of the studio. Joey says, Regis, he says, yeah, Joey, walk off the show tonight. Look annoyed that you know you're leaving the show and so forth. So can you imagine that night? No pre-arrangement, no pre-announcement. People say, people in the business say, that's not the way this was written up. I never knew this true story. I said, well, this is the truth. So Joey's doing the monologue and who's standing by him is Regis. I wasn't on that night, but, uh, 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 the people are probably wondering what's going on. And Joey looks, looks and you know, surprised and goes on to talk. And he says, Regis, everything all right? And Regis says, No, Joey, I'm leaving the show. And Regis says, Well, can we discuss it? Well, no, it's, it's, it's a personal thing and I'm going to be leaving the, and on and on this went. And the show went off the air. They did not know that Joey asked him to leave, nor did the crew. They didn't know what the hell to do because now Joey's got guests on and you almost don't know what to talk about and what have you. And here it got on the news later on that, uh, that uh, uh, you know, Regis left because of disagreement and so forth. And it was just an idea of Joey. And Joey knew when Regis came back six, eight weeks later that everything was back to normal. But isn't it interesting how the stories in the textbooks will sometimes give you a different story of what really happened. That's part of history. <laughs> Absolutely. I love things. I could tell, I could go on for the hours telling you of experiences through the years because, you know, having done 88 Carson shows and what people find fascinating is uh, the, the real story behind something on the Carson show. I, he saw me on the, on the Steve Allen show, I wasn't known nationally, but Steve Allen was on late at night now. College students were watching him, and I was going to college, but I'm not really, I was maybe traveling, so he flies me out there. He says, this young man has a gift. Would you welcome Kreskin? He didn't call me amazing. Carson gave me that title. So I'm walking towards Steve Allen, and oh, know it all in the 60s, 70s. I'm looking at the camera. Well, the cameras follow me across a long stage because Alan is standing on a, a dais like all the other performers did. But the lights around the camera were very hot in those days. And you don't look at a camera like that. So what was happening? I was getting blinded as I get closer and closer to Steve Allen, closer, finally get to him, trip over the dais and fall flat in my face. My family considers it the highlight of my career. But uh, a man was looking at the show that night because... At the, he always taped his show in the afternoon, Steve Al, uh, Johnny Carson did. 
came back to his wife sitting in it. And he sees a mentalist is on. He sees me. And he sees the incident. And eight weeks later, Johnny Carson creates a character called Karnak the Magnificent. <laughs> and that Karnak falling over the table was me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gave me credit the last show I did. I said, Johnny, I, I was the end. Of, he was leaving it soon after. I said, thank you for all, all these years. You, you kid about me when I'm not even on. He says, oh, the mighty Karnak. So we can't erase our past. I warn you about that, Paul, which is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, they told me that um, that I had 30 minutes with you. Want to spend about 10 more minutes? That's up to you. <laughs> oh, I, I would love that. I would love right, that. Let's spend 15. And then okay. We, then I got it. Then I got to go for another piece. But I, I appreciate your respecting the time. Yeah, but you know, also, Paul, next time we're on let's talk about the book because i got i'll get the book to you and uh yeah and by the way if, if the book does not appeal that much you can always use it as a doorstop my oh. <laughs> the door no he's he's sitting in the room here so i, I, gotta, be, I gotta be nice when i talk about it. <laughs> well uh I, forgive me when you bring up things uh, uh when you bring up things paul reminds me of experiences and some of them you know people don't know about and they it gives College students and and, and and young people get say they get get a better picture of, of Carson. You know, he, he called you amazing. Well, not not quite. I'd be getting on airplanes and he'd say people are getting off of planes. They'd say hi, amazing, hi, amazing. And I think that's nice. They saw me on the Carson show. Then I found out he had a routine, and I didn't always see the show the days before I was on. Carson would be with. And McMahon is an announcer, and he say, you know, we're having Kreskin on Monday. And McMahon said, oh, great. And Carson said, well, the last time he was on, he was only 90% amazing. And then McMahon said, oh, no, uh, Johnny, it was at 94%. And they made a comedy routine. And that's how I got the title Amazing. I never knew this. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. It's a good well, thing, by the way, folks. I thank God that Paul isn't saying some derogatory a question of no, that may take off and be used. I'm kidding you, Paul. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to this book. Um, I, I really am that, that, and I appreciate that invitation to to have a, a possible round two. What would you say, having interacted with so many people through the years, and like you've been saying a, a few times here, from all walks of life, kind of like me. <laughs> you've you've interacted and you've communicated with people, young, old, uh, famous, the everyman, all types of professions. What would you say that your work has led you to learn about people? Well, the, one of the keys to my success, people don't often realize this, but a lot of people in the comedy field will often relate this to me because they've seen me work. Because my a lot of my performances are two hours in length, uh, nightclubs they may be an hour, an hour and a half, but two hours or over two hours. Uh, I don't have a, I don't have a boundary. Footlights are there, but I don't have footlights in the sense of the word, uh, the physical sense between myself and my audience because the audience are an extension of what I do. Without an audience, I don't have equipment. I don't have props. I don't have a, a special illusions or what have you. I'm working with people's thinking. And consequently, I have learned to think. I, when I walk out on stage, I can tell you within two or three minutes. Uh, for example, I predicted 
uh, last five elections. It's not because I was going to a crystal ball, but one of the secrets was that I would joke with the audience about both parties. You know, well, uh, I performed in Trump's home in the past, and I, I and so forth, and, and and Clinton and what have you. I talked, and I'll say a joke about each of them, not derogatory. By the laughter and by the no nonverbal response, I can tell you how most of that audience that night will vote. Not that the whole country will, but that will. But when you do hundreds of shows, you begin to hear a pattern. So when in 2016, everybody knew she was going to win. Trump wasn't going to win. All the surveys said so-and-so was going to win. And I finally said to, uh, you know, let me, let me file away in a, in, and they put it in a, in a fashion window, a multi-million dollar guy that has these expensive fashion. He put it in a safe in a window that had a guard on who I thought was going to win. And I tell college students, and I tell students, I said, for God's sakes, don't you pay attention to surveys. Don't pay attention to these things that go around. They mean beans. Because when people say, when they're asked something directly, may not be how they feel but how they feel is expected of them or at that time they feel because they could change their mind later on. And with that, with her, everybody knowing she was going to win, turns out Trump won. Right. So we have to listen to people in other ways. And sometimes in just a casual remark, we may listen to them. Or if when we're talking to people and some a subject is brought up and they suddenly turn and pick up something off the table. It may be an unconscious point of saying, and I don't like this, this that topic, or it's, it's not something I feel comfortable about, or I don't want to say something. Listen to them by not just your eyes, but the verb words, but also the sound. Because I have an extraordinary sense of hearing. It's almost a curse with me because I, I don't, I'm not happy with having this, but I have it. I can sit in a restaurant and at the end of 10, 15 minutes tell you 12 conversations going on in the entire restaurant. My hearing is that extraordinary. I can hear quiet. When I walked out at, C- at, St- at uh, Carnegie Hall and we had a packed house and I walk out on stage and doing my monologue, a guy on the fourth balcony kidded something to his friend and I repeated it and they almost fell off the thing because he said it quietly and I heard it quick clearly. So my hearing has been a gift, not in my ability to turn on people's thoughts, but a certain senses I have are at a high level, but they can also be a handicap because thank God the musicians in recent years have advised me to wear earplugs because 30% of musicians have lost part of the hearing before they were ever famous because the music in rehearsals is often tremendously loud. Hmm. That's a warning, by the way, I'm trying to tell Paul to get upset with me, not to shout at me. No, no folks, I'm only kidding, <laughs> but we have to, but we have to also learn to laugh, Paul. Oh, very much so. It's, it's and, and, and I and I want I don't want audiences ever to feel uncomfortable because uh, I consider one of the greatest insults anyone could ever administer towards me. I consider one of the greatest insults would be for someone to call me politically correct. <laughs> I, I refuse to be typecast. Ah, uh, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> I, You're a good guy, Paul. I get good vibes from you. I really do. Well, thank you for saying it that. It would be safe to read his thoughts, but I better not. <laughs> well, why not? Why, why do you say that? I'm kidding. No, I'm joking. No, I, I, I don't feel that way at all. I've worked with presidents, you know, and then heads of uh, what have you. 
what, but, uh, and, and also some of the dramatic incidents, uh, uh, the time I ended a show in Indianapolis, well, they all know the story at the nightclub early and, uh, they wondered if everything was all right. And I said, no, the last person I, who thought I was reading, I gave her a name she had in mind or some early address. She had planned suicide. Mm. And most people that plan suicide hope to be caught. Some of the most famous actors and actresses who died, it is felt they did not mean to, they were looking to cry out for help, but it's a, it's a very, I'm, I'm not, I don't know everything about human behavior. Don't ever misunderstand me, but that has been re related to me many, many times. Some of the most famous actors and actresses, even in recent years that died in, in bed, because the problem is when they're using drugs, they forget when they overdose. Yeah. And that's the tragedy of, uh, of drugs. So anyway, but uh, I had to share with you uh, so we we got a priest and a and a minister, and I, I sat with the lady and, and told her, "You must see this priest now every day." So I, I hear from her every once in a while now because uh, she pulls through. But uh, sometimes things are brought up in when I'm working, and I never intrude on people's private life. I will never say anything publicly that's in in in, in questionable taste because their privacy is one of the most valuable things we have, and we are losing it to gigantic levels because even some foreign governments are now recording almost every conversation on the telephone on, on our, our cell phones in the United States today because the machinery can accommodate that much and they're selling some of it. And now don't folks think that I'm being an alarmist. I am telling you the damn truth. Yes. And you've discussed this, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to tell you, uh, Kreskin, Last night, as I was going to bed, my feelings and moods as I was trying to sleep were very uh, worried and dark and disturbed. Uh, I, I was full of worry. And as I woke up today, my thoughts became more and more positive. And this is absolutely the truth. And I know that you know I'm telling you the truth. You are the vibration I'm getting from you through this incredible telecommunications that we have. I'm getting a very, very good. Uh, you've put me in an incredible mood, and that's one of the greatest things a human being can do for one another. I, you know, I, I thank you. I, I appreciate your saying it, and I, I mean, my feelings are very, very genuine. I, I love rapport with people, whether they be audiences that take audiences, and I'm sure you understand what I'm saying, take on almost a personality of their own. It can be a good scoop, yours, they can be negative because something that's just happened, what have you. And and so do individuals. And I um I'm I'm very pleased because I don't talk about it, but some rather prominent people have had me sit in on meetings. Where I simply sat there quietly and listened, not to judge, not to judge the people, but to get a feeling of what really the mood and the direction is. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm very, I'm very proud of this. It's a, I've been given a gift in this way, but you have to understand. They say, you know, Kreskin, could you 
teach people this, what you do. The problem, though, Paul, is that I started learning to do this when I was six, seven years old. And I play acted games with people where I was not so much solving as a detective a crime, but maybe reading people, how they were thinking and what have you. Because I always felt, since I read a comic book called Mandrake the Magician, written by Lee Falk and Phil Davis, when I was five years old, my, I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be like that person. He wasn't a magician. He had hypnotic abilities, he had telepathic abilities. He solved crimes. And years later, at Sardi's restaurant, one of the most touching moments of my life was when they invited me to meet Lee Falk because I play acted Mandrake and then was starting to perform in my high, my grade school doing thought ring experiments and during show and tell. So here now I'm established and performing and I go to New York to meet Lee Falk. He recognized me and shakes hands with me. And there are all these, these, these professors and, and graduate students interviewing him about his comics, Mandrake and the Phantom. Mandrake was the biggest comic in, in Italy in the Second World War. It's, it, it was an American comic that they, they advised Fellini, uh, they advised the, 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 the powers that be not to, 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 to move away because the public loved the Mandrake. So anyway, in the middle of all these Q and A, Q and A's, he stopped his Q and A and said, I, I want to stop the program just for a moment. He said, over to my right, there is Kreskin, the amazing Kreskin. And since I've written this comic since 30, 1935, he alone has become closest to being in real life for my comic character. What can you imagine how that I couldn't even talk? <laughs> and I'm reminded of this by professors that were at the event, what have you. Of course, I don't want to tell you that Lee Falk was an excellent hypnotic subject. And I altered his thinking. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we're going to continue soon, are we? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to the book, and it's going to come. The amazing, it mentions the amazing Kreskin. The adventures, <laughs> and that's at that's at Kreskinbook.com. Yeah, uh, www.kreskinbook.com. Okay. And by the way, what's interesting is people are now, because this is not the kind of book that I've written before, heavy uh, 300, 200 page books, but with the, with the pictures in it of, of situations where crime was about to take place and what have you, people, families are sitting with their kids and they're, they're reading the story and saying, oh, they can see the pictures of uh, how, uh, how uh, I was beset by by sometimes not the most worthy situation. And then when we get together in the future, I'll talk about how in all my shows around the world, my check is hidden by the audience while I'm out of the theater guarded. And when I return, and this is going to be a cliffhanger folks, but when I return, there's no conversation. I don't ask anyone questions. The committee of five or six could have hit my check anywhere in the Carnegie hall, four balconies, anywhere in the theater. At a minute, at a state fair of 20, at 10, 20,000, anywhere in the whole outdoor audience area. And if I don't find my fee, I forfeit the entire fee. Because <laughs> I lost in New Zealand in one night $51,000. Wow. I have found it, except for uh, 11 times, I have found it over 3,000 times. The story reads like a story out of science fiction. <laughs> That's the is that a good cliffhanger? 
That's a great cliffhanger. I won't even tell you anything. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I know that they say uh, they say in Philadelphia they say so neat we need to repeat. And I just want to say this: there is a very talented pianist, songwriter, entertainer named John Primerano. Oh, uh, he John Primerano. He he knows you. You you wrote yes. a, a very glowing letter for him, and he just wanted to say hello. And so I I feel honored to be able to to say hello. On John Primerano's behalf, isn't that one? And he's a very fine pianist. Uh, I, I, uh, I. People don't know much about this, but I, I've been playing the piano since I was five years old, and ah. I have downstairs a concert game for you know, and and a, and a, a piano upstairs because in my when I appear at Carnegie Hall, Skits Henderson devoted the entire second half of the concert to yours truly. So the piano means a lot to me, and. Uh, and he, this gentleman is a very fine performer. And by the way, one of the legendary contributors to the history of the piano, no question about it, was Liberace. People yes. Know, uh, he sold thousands of pianos. We got to be continued. That's what I'm going to say. I will not say to you goodbye. Uh, I will say in the spirit of broadcasting, to be continued. And uh, Paul will be talking soon again. Be the good Lord willing. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Kreskin. Goodbye.